Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back to The Conversation. Today we're going to talk about friendship, how to be an excellent friend, or ask the question, are you? an excellent friend. Are you the kind of person that I would want to be friends with? Well, we'll find out. But before we get into it, I want to tie up a couple loose ends. One is the reference to the podcast just before this that talked about someday is today. And in that, I talked about having conversations with loved ones, with people when you have the opportunity, because you may not have the opportunity at some point in the future And someone contacted me and asked me the question, what happens if they've already left the planet? What happens if they're already gone from our life and we have not had that completion conversation? Well, everything is energy. So they need not be present. You can still have the conversation. You can have it in your mind, in your mind's eye, from your heart. And the energy is still sent out into the universe. If they've left the planet, if they're no longer on the physical plane, you can call them to your side, and they will be there in an instant. And while you may not have the physical experience of having them in your presence, if you just act as if they're there, they're there. Whatever you say is the appropriate thing to say. Forgive them, thank them, do whatever's necessary, say whatever you feel is on your mind and you have a ready audience. I have a more profound relationship with my father today, since he's passed, than I did when he was alive. We just had a different way of communicating, but now we communicate in this sea, in this realm of love. He's with me whenever I ask, and sometimes he just visits. And you'll find is, as you surrender, and surrender is a big word, surrender into the idea that communication is taking place. They are by your side. They are very interested in what's going on in your life, even if your relationship was not all that magnificent when they were on the planet. See, things change when you transition into spirit. Now, when someone dies here on the physical plane and reemerges into the infinite, they are one with all that is. But there is still that point of consciousness, that point of awareness. And you can think of it as a small point in the sea of all that is. But that one point can be present with you. It's like they lean in and lend you their ear, lend you their attention. So if you did not get the chance physically to tell them that you love them, you can just think it, you can say it, and they'll know it. They already know it, but you'll have the satisfaction of actually saying it. And sometimes it's helpful just to write a letter. Write a letter and pouring out your thoughts, pouring out your heart. And this is also true of people that have left your life. You're disconnected, but they're still around, wandering around the countryside somewhere. You just don't know where. You can write the letter. Again, everything is energy. And so through your conscious intention, through your thought, through the emotion that you have, you can send the vibration, you can send the broadcast to them. And sometimes we want to retract and call back our energy. 
If that's the case, I suggest you go back and revisit 102, episode 102, Are People Sucking Your Energy, Recalling Your Energy Back to You. That is episode 102. And then on Grieving and Gratitude and Death is episode 67, where I talk about how to reconnect, how to embrace those aspects and internalize those aspects of the people that have left the planet, left the plane, that are still residing within you. And then I had a message from Noel talking about that episode, Someday is Today. He said that was interesting. It was sad. And he said that he would elaborate, but um, I get it. It was sad. And it really speaks to the idea that you need to make hay while the sun shines. You need to take advantage, seize the day, seize the moment while you have it, because it may not be possible. The opportunity might not present itself in the same way down the road. See, too many people hang back and wait. Of all the words, of all the sad words of tongue and pen, the saddest of these are what might have been. And so that speaks to lost opportunity. And if the real message is positive on the back end of that podcast, and I hope you really listen to what was interwoven into those sad stories, and the one with my father was not sad at all, not from my perspective. But the story about Marsha was definitely on the sad side of the equation. And it was only sad, let me say this, it was sad because we create our reality to the degree that we acquiesce control over our life, or we surrender our inner guidance, our inner signals, our inner desires to receive the goodwill of other people. You see, other people aren't living our life. Yet how often do we shift or alter our actions in response to a perceived expectation to acquire the goodwill and acceptance of outside sources, other people, people that love us, sometimes people that don't love us. And then sometimes it's not even stated expectations. It's what we perceive is expected on their end. We didn't even ask them. They never even said anything. Yet we're assuming that there's an expectation there, and we change our behavior in order to not lose their acceptance, which was never, ever actually in danger. You see, it's convoluted. And so when you live your life from inner signals, be inner-directed, engaged in your epic adventure, disregard what other people want, disregard what is expected of you. Now, it's incumbent upon you as a human being to at least entertain the perspective of those that love you around you. Because if you disregarded them completely and did whatever you wanted, that's somewhat of a psychopathy or considered sociopathic behavior. You see, in the end, you always need to lean on this side of your inner guidance. You may consider you know, outside opinion. You may consider external feedback just so you have a grasp of reality or the impact and consequence of your actions. But in the end, every person's on the cutting edge of their own discoveries. And so you need to be living your life for you and be in relationship with other people. You don't live your life for other people. And at the moment, that's all I'm going to say about that, because that could lead into an entire episode all on its own. So today, like I said, it's going to be about how to be an excellent friend, how to ask yourself or look at yourself, am I being an excellent friend? Am I friend material? Am I the kind of friend that I would want? 
Well, I want to wade into this kind of indirectly. You see, at the moment, I'm in the midst of interviews for my online summit, The Spiritual Adventure, A Gathering of Saints. This idea came to me as a download just before Thanksgiving, and I decided to do it to have it go live the last week of December, the days between Christmas and New Year's. Now, I'd never done an online summit before. I haven't done one yet. I'm in the midst of creating it. I'm working it as I go, dancing as fast as I can. And I created the intention that those people that are most aligned with this vision, and the vision is to create a series of interviews to illustrate what's possible on the spiritual adventure, to talk to people that I love and respect, the gathering of saints. Now, it's not just the people that I'm connected with, the the teachers, the healers, the coaches, and the different instructors, the people that are on the spiritual path, some of them have nothing to sell. They are only relating their story. But I wanted to provide a body of work where you had access to other people's journeys. So you could identify different aspects of your path, different aspects of your journey, and how does that align with theirs? What are the similarities? What are the the gleanings or the wisdom that they've gleaned over the years? And most of them have been on the path as long as I have, but not all of them. What epiphanies, what lessons, what learnings, what uh, distinctions have you become aware of? Have they become aware of along their journey so they can pass those along and speed up or accelerate your own development? And I have to tell you, I naively began this project thinking that I wasn't going to learn anything, or I didn't think I wasn't going to. I just didn't consider that I would. I just considered that I would be the facilitator to showcase these other people, to showcase these different adventures, the different ideas, spiritual ideas that most people encounter along the path. Yet, in every conversation, I've had an epiphany. Every conversation, I've saw a different way to view the world, different way to view reality. And that has been fantastic for me. But the other thing that I naively considered was that these interviews would probably only go about 45 minutes to an hour long. Well, everyone so far has gone a minimum of two hours. And that's just the recorded portion. See, most of them, we have a warm-up conversation beforehand that have lasted 15 minutes to an hour before the actual recording begins. And then we hit pause on the record, and then we speak for another 30 minutes to an hour. So some of these sessions have gone four hours long for me. But I have to consider these are kindred spirits. They are saints along the journey. And get this, I didn't realize that most of these people, most of these friends of mine, I had never actually asked, what's your story? What's your journey been like? What was your first epiphany? How did you first wake up? Who was your first teacher? What was your first learning that really opened you up to a greater reality? And so these conversations have been laced with higher dimensions of consciousness, interstellar beings, interdimensional beings, multiverse, probable realities, healing, synchronicities. It just goes on and on. It's a multi-layered conversation. And to be frankly, these are conversations that you will not find out in the general populace. They're not conversations that typically take place. We've covered topics such as the mundane aspects of just navigating our human lives in a spiritual manner. And then 
tapping into the higher dimensions of consciousness and the etheric and the unseen and how to navigate that, how to begin to trust that. And so these are not just stories of someone's journey, but actual practical advice on how to tap into the higher dimensions, how to tap into your own divinity in a deeper way. All told, I think I'll have about 30 hours of recorded material, as well as some bonuses that go along with this, all designed to support you on your spiritual journey, support you on your spiritual path. I guess this is an appropriate time to share the impetus behind this online summit, this gathering of saints, and that is that I'm very aware of the uptick in consciousness, the up-leveling, the expansion of consciousness in the general populace. More and more people are becoming aware that things aren't the way they've seemed. They're not the way we've been told they are. You have an interesting perspective on reality now. You're questioning things. And as a natural course, in waking up, you begin to search for teachers. You begin to search for alternative perspectives, expanded perspectives on how do I make sense of all this? I was asking that question, and that's when I received the download to create this online summit. I also have as a bonus in this whole process, one of our presenters, Della Rose Ruby Meyer, down under in Australia, she's a 30-year-plus astrologer. She's a psychic channel. And so she's going to do a forecast for 2023 and 2024, the energies and the dynamics that are going on planetarily, and discuss what lies ahead, how to navigate the landscape in the future. So one of the ways I've described this whole process is spiritual equipping, equipping you with the tools to move forward so you can be reliant on yourself, live your life from inner signals, be inner directed, and not rely on interpretations from the outside world. I want you to be empowered to have your own authority, to be able to trust your own authority. So what's that have to do about friendship? Well, I've been reconnecting with friends, friends that I've kind of been out of touch with over the past few years. And as a consequence, I've rekindled some connections and we're planning to do some joint projects, projects you know that are going to change the landscape, change the planet, change what's available to you. And so this is some pretty holy cow ideas. Too soon to mention them all, but this kind of energy is happening And it's all because of this online summit and me reconnecting. And I realized that I had been uh, uh, neglecting my own belief about friendships, my own belief of what it means to be a good friend. You see, a long time ago, I read The Five Regrets of the Dying. And I've actually used those to guide my bucket list, to guide my actions in the world, because frankly, I don't want to arrive at the end of my journey and have any regrets. And so the five regrets comes from Bronnie Ware. She was a hospice worker in Australia, and she would ask the dying. Hospice is where people go to die, essentially, and be taken care of, nurtured as they're going through the process. So Bronnie would ask them, do you have any regrets before you pass on? And she found that there were similarities from person to person, and they distilled down to five different regrets. I'll just talk about one of them in this episode, and that is, I wish I would have stayed in contact with my friends. You see, you understand that if you've been on the planet for any length of time, adulting, engaged in your own life, there's a tendency for the ordinary and the mundane 
to have a pull on your attention. Once you have kids, they become the focus of your life, your career. It seems like there's always something going on and your friendships seem to go to the wayside because you just don't have enough time. You barely have enough time for yourself. And oftentimes the narrative is, I just don't have time. I don't have the energy. And frankly, they're not reaching out to me. You know, why should I be the one to expend all the energy? Well, I realized this for myself when I was much, much younger. As I left high school, I had a core group of friends and then college. And I realized that as time was evolving, just adulting and moving into our own lives in different parts of the country, that if I did not take responsibility, if I did not take 100% responsibility for my friendships, even though it was in relationship to somebody else, if I didn't take 100% responsibility, chances are, the relationships would fade away. And I've seen some relationships do that. And so I made it a point to avoid our friendships being transactional, meaning that I would contact them, reach out to them just to find out how their life was going, just to get the news, just to get the scoop. What are you going through? How are you doing? I didn't call to solve any problem. I didn't call for them to solve my problem. I didn't call because I needed something. I called. I connected because I wanted to connect. I wanted the intimacy to stay. And it did. It stayed for 13, 15, 20 years before life really where we developed and took off in different directions. We grew apart more or less. But as long as I was willing, just as long as they were willing to play along and be in that connected space, some of them I could call up today, even though I've been out of contact with for 10 years, and pick up the conversation right where we left off. And this is what I've tried to teach my son. Uh, He's 24 and, you know, forging friendships. And it's the idea that our friendships need not be transactional. We don't need to derive anything from it, but we connect for the sake of connecting, to be a witness to the other person's life, to acknowledge the other person. You see, we all want acknowledgement. We all want to feel valued. And when you can reach out to another, whether it's a relative or a friend, and just check in and say, hey, I was thinking about you. How are you doing? I hope you're doing well. Things are going well on this side. And maybe things aren't going so well. You can say things are kind of tough right now, but I don't really want to go into it because we all know how that goes, law of attraction. We don't want to mucky-muck around in that. So we can just say, you know, things are a little tough. I'm working some stuff out. We're putting things together. But I just, you know, I don't really want to bore you with that. I just wanted to reach out and find out how you're doing. And this is a problem with a lot of people, an issue with people. We don't have problems. We have issues. We have challenges. So one of the challenges is, is when things aren't going all so hot, aren't going so well, we don't, we have a tendency not to share that with other people. Now we don't have to share it per se. And sometimes when you have this relationship, have this connection with someone that you've forged and maintained, you can go to them and say, Hey, I just need an ear. This is what I'm going through. I don't want you to try and solve it. I don't want you to try and fix it. I just need an ear. I need to get it out of my head. And this is principle number two. Principle number one is being 100% or taking on that you're 100% responsible for your friendships, for the relationship. 
Principle two is being a listening ear, being a receptive partner in the relationship. See, this is relationship, relating to. And so by providing an ear, providing a listening, just a loving ear, an unconditional ear or listening for the other person, that's invaluable. And when I say unconditional, and I do this with my clients, and I do, you can say anything to me, and I'm not going to judge you for it. Who am I to judge, really? I just want to know what's going on in your life. What are you dealing with? What are you working through? And we're all at different parts of our journey, at all different stages of our journey. But having that that platform to show up where the other person, where you create your friend as amazing, where you create them as they can do no wrong, and that we're all just trying to find our way home. And listening from that place of not trying to figure out the next thing to say, but just to be a witness, just to be an observer, to say, hey, I see you. I see you. I see you. That is the greatest gift you can give another person. And with that, when someone shares an upset with you, someone shares a setback, you don't say, oh, I had the same thing happen to me. Stop that, because right now, no one wants to hear what you've been through. No one wants to hear the setbacks you've had. You just want to bear witness, pay homage, honor your friend's journey, and leave your story to the wayside. You can come to that in another conversation if you need to bring it up at all. Because if you've ever been on the receiving end of something like that, you understand that you don't want to hear what the other person's been through. You want someone to acknowledge you, acknowledge your struggle, acknowledge what you're going through. This probably brings me to principle number three, and that is do not keep score. And this means not only with your friendships, but in your you know, intimate relationships. Don't keep score about how many times you washed the dishes compared to somebody else, how many times you pick stuff up. This is something my father always said, everything comes out in the wash. And as far as friendships go, the way my attitude has always been, and it has always worked out this way because I have a belief that this is the way it works, so it's law of attraction. You know, I might give a little bit more on this end for a time, and down the road, you'll be there for me. It's kind of like a social bank account. And you're depositing goodwill, depositing goodwill, because you never know at what point you might have to make a withdrawal. Maybe you never will, but that investment will pay itself many, many times over down the road. It always has for me. And so what does that look like? Well, when I was younger, if somebody asked me to help them move, I would help them move. I'd just show up. I'd bring friends. I'd bring support. I'd Sometimes I'd rent a truck or a dolly. I wanted to be the kind of friend that if they were broke down on the side of the road two states over, and needed help, needed assistance, I would find a way to assist them, even if I had to drive all night to get to them. My friend Linda recently paid me one of the greatest compliments ever. I first met Linda when I was 19, which is like 40 years ago, over 40 years ago. And synchronicity would have us interacting over the years, sometimes in like a very intimate friendship, not intimate, intimate, but, you know, a close friend. And we would move in and out of each other's lives. I was connected to her son for a while, and 
we just kind of grew apart. I went to, I was up in Michigan. She was stayed in Columbus, Ohio. I ended up moving to Texas and we reconnected on Facebook. And so the compliment she paid me after an exchange and through messaging, to me, you are one of the friends I have that if I needed something, really needed something, you would be there. You would do anything to be there to support me. I valued that observation. Now, another principle that I find valuable in friendship is that they can tell it to me straight. If I have behavior that is out of line, if I have behavior that is destructive, I expect them to tell me. I expect them to call me out on it. And I do the same with my friends. Now, that's just behavior. You cannot and should not feel compelled to attack your friend's character, their self-identity, who they know themselves or think themselves to be, who they want to be. That's off limits. If you are attacking another person's character, you think they should change in order to be a better person. And frankly, you should not be in friendship with them. They're not your people. One of the things I've found that over the years, when I've had friendships where I've taken on some of the heavy lifting more often than not, the other people really haven't had to show up. And occasionally, on four different occasions, I've had close friends where I've spent some amazing times with these people. Yet when it was their time to pay up, when it was their time to come through, they attacked my character. Their time to be accountable for the agreements that they had in place, they deflected and they began attacking my character. And suddenly in that moment when they began attacking my sense of identity, who I was, how I was showing up, and not really attacking my behavior. See, a behavior you can change. We consider our identity intrinsic to who we are. In that moment when they attacked that, I realized that they were putting up a false front. They were not really the friend that I envisioned them to be. They weren't the friend I wanted in that moment. And so in each of those examples, I would pause. Sometimes in the conversation, sometimes after we hung up or after the exchange, and ponder, is this something I can salvage? Is it worth defending my point of view? And sometimes it is. Sometimes it has been. Sometimes it's just been a misunderstanding. But in those four relationships that I talked about, I realize in, in reflecting on it that in attacking my character and attacking who I was, they weren't really there for me. They were there for what they could get from me. And when I wasn't showing up or they needed to come through, then they started to sabotage the relationship. And I had to make a decision to cut them off, to end the relationship, to end moving forward. Now, I love them as a person. I hope them they have the most amazing life. I'm just not going to be in it. I no longer want to participate. And so this is an aspect of unconditional love that a lot of people don't get. You can love someone unconditionally, but not like their behavior, not like the way they're showing up. And so essentially, you may have to make a decision that who they're being doesn't work for where I am or where I'm going. And when you come to a point where you have that realization, you're doing them a service to break off or end the relationship. And sometimes you've actually had to say, I'm breaking up with you. I can no longer be your friend. I wish you the best life, but I can no longer travel with you. I think this is honorable because if you feel that way, yet you show up pretending that everything's okay, then you're manipulating them. You're actually being false to them. 
You owe it to your friends. You owe it to your loved ones to show up honestly and authentically as you. Now, with that probably comes the next principle, and I've lost track of principle number four or five or six, but the next principle would be to own your emotions, own your responses as yours. They didn't make you feel that way. No one can make you feel any way that you do not want to feel. And so if you have an emotional response to some behavior, you can say, when you did that, I made it mean this and it made me angry. So I'm owning the interpretation and I'm owning the emotion. And more often than not, when I share it that way, if it ever comes up that way, they typically say, well, that was never my intention. That wasn't what I wanted. I don't want that. I don't want you to feel that. And so I'm not going to do that anymore. Or I'll reconsider my approach. And then I'll ask, what did you want? What was the need that you were trying to fulfill? And they'll tell me. And then I typically say, that's completely understandable, given the the need and want you're trying to fulfill. I just took it to mean something about me. I was just looking at, you know, I took it personally. I'm sorry. And this is the next principle. Be honest in your communication. And that's kind of in, you know, be authentic. Be a representative of what you're truly feeling, what you truly think. And of course, just because you have a thought doesn't mean it's true. It should be a considered thought, a reviewed thought, a reviewed stance. And oftentimes when we come to a negative judgment or a judgment about another person, it's because we're taking it personally. We make whatever they're doing to mean something about us. Very often it's not about us in any way, shape, or form. We just happen to be impacted by their decision. They have some other agenda, some thing they're trying to fulfill on that you got wrapped up in. And so there's probably more principles involved here, but basically I'm asking you, are you the kind of friend that you would want? Are you the friend to other people in a way that you would want a friend to be with you? You see, if you focus on being the most amazing friend possible, the friend that you would want for other people, you'll attract people that will fulfill that role. But if you approach friendship as far as what can I get out of this, how can you serve me, how can you improve my life, then you're going to get people that operate from the same paradigm. They're going to be takers. They're going to be transactional and not transformational friends. Energetically, I think it's important to understand that anytime two or more people come together, And for this example, we'll just talk two people, two friends coming together. You have each individual, and then you have a third entity that has created a third dynamic, which is the friendship, the relationship. That has an energetic personality, and you want to make sure that the energy of that relationship is the highest vibe possible, that something synergistic happens when you come together, something more amazing more fantastic occurs because you have a communion of energy, a merging of the minds. And with that, I guess, uh, before I close the door on this, one of the principles you should be aware of is the energy that you're bringing to the conversation, the energy that you're bringing to the relationship. Are you sucking the life out of your friend? Is your friend sucking the life out of you? Well, that's not an equitable solution. That's not an equitable exchange. You see, I've been very present to that in my exchange with my friends. 
in these interviews that I've been doing, the conversations have been amazing. And after I get off, after I disconnect, I'm uplifted. Now, I have found that on the back end of that, after a couple hours, I feel tired. I feel like tapped out only because I was operating on such a high vibratory state. And so I'm actually expanding my capacity in these powerful conversations. Now, I want to make sure that you feel invited to be a participant in these conversations, to be a witness to these conversations. This online summit is free, absolutely free to witness. All you have to do is show up and register, take the action, go to yesdaniel.com, and that's yesdaniel.com. And just try and forget that. I mean, it's going to stick in your memory. You just go to yesdaniel.com and follow the link to the Spiritual Adventure Summit. Now, if you happen to be listening to this at some point in the future, these interviews may or may not be available. The content may not be available. I don't know yet. We haven't decided exactly what's going to happen to the information once the summit is over. I'll probably know since I have the question pop in my head at this moment. I'll probably know within an hour or two. But at this moment of the recording, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen after New Year's Day. But before that, between Christmas and New Year's, oh my God, phenomenal. You need to be involved. So where do you go to register? YesDaniel.com. So this is your friend and host, Daniel DeNovi, urging you to follow your bliss. Live your life from inner signals. Be inner-directed as you engage in the epic adventure. Thank you.